It's time for Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. Presented by Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Come in for free made-from-scratch food, signature 29-degree draft beers, and all the scenic views. I'm just going to pause while you start drooling. And brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors of Wapaton. Now your host of the show, Josh Swanson. Thank you for tuning in and joining Heard It here on this New Year's Eve 2022. We got a full slate of college football games today before next Sunday's title tilt between the Bison and Jack (laughs) Rabbits down in Frisco, Texas. Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock kick on ESPN. We'll be joined later in the hour in about 15 minutes by Sam Herter, FCS guru and expert, senior FCS analyst from Hero Sports, Hero Sports college football editor and bet MGM writer to break down the Bison V-Jacks. He has a very detailed and thorough write-up about the national championship game, the battle of the Dakotas, as it were, up on Hero Sports website and he has a score prediction and we'll get to that in a little bit and it's a tight one everybody whether it's Sam Herter Craig Haley Dom Dom you know Dom Izzo's going to pick against the Bison so will uh McFeely so will Colpack Big E Eric Peterson I think he'll he'll uh he'll pick the good guys and you know where I'm at on that game we'll talk about some game day predictions later in the show, but it's shaping up to be a doozy. What do you talk about with these two teams, right? SDSU, ever since beating the Bison in early October, has been the consensus favorite number one team in the FCS and a 23-21 victory at the Fargo Dome in a game where the Bison frustratingly jumped out to that 21-7 lead, happened not had an opportunity to make it 28-7 to late in the fourth quarter. Big pass, Cam. Cam Miller, you recall, is 1-12 performance for five yards against Incarnate Word two weeks ago in the national semifinal game. That game against the Jacks, Cam started out on fire. 8-8. Started the game 8-8 for a buck 25 and two touchdowns. And there it was late in the second quarter. The Bison are driving the ball, leading by two scores. Get down to SDSU's five-yard line on a beauty. Clark pass dropped right in the bucket. And as you've heard me say many times this fall, Cam pulls out the fake bow and arrow, draws the arrow from the quiver, launches it back, and shoots it in the vicinity of the SDSU sideline to which... The Grinch official, who was not real keen on such shenanigans, threw a flag, and instead of being goal to go first down from the Jacks' five-yard line, the Bison are backed up 15 bleeping yards. And now we're not even in the red zone. Not even in the red zone. Two plays later, the Bison 
try some trickeration, some alliteration here, and it's an interception by Cole Payton on a second down throw that the Jacks had scouted after the game. Coach Johnny T. Stigemeyer said, we knew that was coming. The Bison tried to outfox the Jacks, but it bit them right in the backside. Worst case scenario there, the Bison don't get the personal foul the way they're moving the ball. They likely, they still got to punch it in from the five, but they likely punch it in for a 28 to seven lead that they wouldn't have relinquished. And who knows how the rest of that story writes itself. But the Bison did not do that. They threw the aforementioned interception. They didn't even have an opportunity for a field goal. It's 21 to seven hurt at the half. SDSU has an opportunity to regroup and they do so. And they come out and just spank us in the second half. The Bison were held off the scoreboard scoreboard. You want to talk about anemic in that second half, North Dakota State against the Jackson early October. 22 plays for 59 yards, and it hurts to relive that. It's not fun talking about it. But had the Bison not played just such a dreadful half of football offensively in the second half, and put up any sort of points, they probably walk away with the Dakota marker win. And the whole narrative is different because the narrative right now, eight days out from a national championship game, is somehow that the Bison are these massive underdogs. The Jacks beat the herd by two in Fargo in a second half where the Bison offense couldn't find its way out of a shoe box. They went conservative, up by two touchdowns. That's the M.O. I probably would have done that. Why risk a turnover, take care of the football? The Bison made a few bad decisions in the second half, and they paid for it. They only touched the ball four times, and the Jacks had the ball for 34 and a half minutes of that contest. You want to know what that contest was all about and what this contest a week and change from now will be about. You can go back to the stat sheet and look at these three numbers. Number one, third down efficiency. The Bison in the second half could not convert a third down to save their lives. That's why they had the ball only four times total and were only able to run 22 plays for 59 yards. Their drives in the second half. Four plays, 10 yards. Minute 56, punt. Six plays, six yards. Three minutes, four seconds, punt. Four plays, 17 yards. Two minutes, 33 seconds, punt. In the final drive of the game, the Bison still had a chance trailing 23-21. The Bison took the ball, picked up a first down on a nice pass play to Zach Mathis. They had things set up, a first and 10 on SDSU's 49-yard line with under three minutes left in the ballgame. A first and 10 on the Jackrabbits' side of the field. Griffin Krosa, who has been absolutely cash money homie the latter half of the season, they were a solid Kobe Johnson or Hunter Lipke run or Zach Mathis pass away from lining up to try a field goal that would have won the contest. 
But the Bison couldn't do nothing. They couldn't do squat after setting up first down and 10 from the Jacks 49. Couple passes go nowhere. Miller takes a really, really bad sack. Fourth down. Receiver and Miller not on the same page. Jacks win 23 to 21. Third down efficiency in that contest. NDSU 4 of 10. Not terrible. Not terrible, but it's not good. South Dakota State, on the other hand, 7 of 13. Advantage Jacks. That decided that ball game in the second half when the Jacks needed to pick up key third downs during their comeback, they were able to do it. The Bison were not. Offensively, had the Bison scored it all? Had the Bison done anything in that second half? It's a different contest. It's a different narrative. Rushing yards. The Bison only rushed for a buck 27. They threw the ball for 227 yards, but they only rushed for a buck 27. I don't know how many times the the good folks at the form have pointed out the statistic, and I would bet dimes to dollars Sam Herter is going to point it out here in a few minutes in Dakota marker games. Now, this game is not technically for the Dakota marker. The winner of the game does not get the marker. They get a national championship trophy. In games between North Dakota State and South Dakota State, the Bison are something like 13-1 and when they rush for more than 160 yards. That seems to be the magic number. Had the Bison rushed for 160 yards as opposed to a buck 27 in early October, they probably beat the Jacks. Time of possession is the other one. The Jacks held the ball for almost the entirety of that painful, dismal, abysmal second half. 34 and a half minutes in the contest. The Bison with 25 and a half minutes. Those are the key statistics. You might hear folks talk about, well, it's DSU. They come out with all these wrinkles in games, and I'm worried about the trickeration, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to be anything fancy. It's going to be what team does a better job converting on third down and extending drives. And it's not even about scoring. It's not even about scoring. It's about field position. This Bison defense, first impressions matter. And to start the year, there were times where the Bison defense got shredded. They have buckled down, and they have been really, really good the last two and a half months. Case in point, against the best player in the FCS, that quarterback, Lindsey Scott from Incarnate Word, the Bison held them to 16 points after that disastrous 16-0 hole the Bison dug themselves. That guy has 71 total touchdowns on the year, and when it came to nut-cutting time, Code Green rose to the occasion. Now, if you're the Bison offense in Frisco, I'm not expecting either team to break the 30-point barrier. I think it's going to be a 24-21 type of contest, just like the first game was, that 23-21 Jackrabbits win. But it's hard against either one of these defenses because they're both so good. The Jacks have the top-rated defense statistically in the FCS this year. The Bison have the fourth-rated defense. It will be very hard for either offense to go 80 yards and sustain those kind of drives. If the defense 
for North Dakota. Excuse me, if the offense for the Bison can pick up a first down or two, so if they start with the ball at the Jacks 28 and they pick up a couple first downs and drive to, excuse me, they start at their own 28, pick pick up a couple first downs, drive to their own 48-yard line or midfield, and Caden Steindorf comes out to punt, he was a difference maker and has been a difference maker in these playoffs and in the latter half of the season. He's going to boom and pin SDSU inside their 10-yard line. It is going to be, oh, you saw how hard it was for Lindsey Scott in the most prolific offense in the country in Incarnate Word when the Bison backed them up last drive of the game and other times in the contest when they had to go 90 yards against Code Green. They couldn't do it. So the offense, whether it's the Bison or the Jacks, that can assist in field position and give their offense a shorter field to work with will have an advantage. How do you do that? You convert third downs and you put a drive together. Even if that drive doesn't result in points, if you can go seven or eight plays for 36 yards and have to punt and the other team starts with the ball inside their own 10, it's not sexy, but that is what is going to be the difference in this contest. The Bison against the Jacks in early October, that second half, field position, their last three drives, their own 18-yard line, their own 8-yard line after they tried to run a couple kickoffs back that were ill-advised. They should have taken the touchbacks. Their own 18, their own 8, and their own 25. Juxtapose that against what SDSU did. SDSU had the shorter field to work with. That's going to be big. That rushing yard statistic is going to be big as well. The Bison have to do better than a buck 27. The Bison also, and Sam thinks this game, and I think he's, he's probably right at some point in a game like this where it's a field position type of contest and it's low scoring, the teams know each other so well in the second half, who's going to make the play? Cam Miller or Mark Gronowski? If the Bison are trailing like they were in the Dome, 23-21 late, there's under four minutes and they need a drive. Can Cam Miller lead them to the promised land? Conversely, if the Bison are leading 24-21 or 26-24 and SDSU's got the ball with under three minutes, can Gronowski put together a drive for his team? I think this is coming down to an ending like that. I really do. For, for as well as the, these two teams know each other, you, you'll likely see some wrinkles, right? You've got three weeks to prepare, and we've seen what Matt Ants and his coaching staff have done in the past, whether it's the James Hendricks-Jimmy football fake field goal for a touchdown against James Madison, whether it's that reverse sort of deal, the Phoenix Sproles that he housed against James Madison, some of those big pass plays between East and Stick, and I get that was a, a Chris Kleiman thing to Darius Shepard, the fake punt back in the day, Craig Bowl. You had Voigtlander take the fake punt. Frisco won the first time. Pick up the first down. DJ McNorn screen pass. Later after that, it's touchdown buys. And there are going to be some plays like that, but I don't think a trick play, ultimately a trick play in the second half, maybe that'll score a touchdown to give one of the teams a lead, like a 21-17 kind of lead. But at the end of the day, I don't think you can say, well, this game came down to a trick play because it won't. This team, this game's going to come down to which team 
does a better job on third down? Which team does a better job establishing the run and the line of scrimmage? And which team takes care of the football? It's as simple as that. And to break it down, coming up next on Heard It Here with Swanee, brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors in Wabaton. We got Sam Herder, senior FCS analyst, Hero Sports, to tell you who you got to watch out for on that Jack squad and how it's all going to shake down eight days from now in Frisco, Texas. And Jack's face off for the ultimate Trump card. In the Dakota marker rivalry, the Bison have nine national championships. The Jacks got none. The Jacks have won three straight Dakota marker games. But this one, if you can beat your rival in Frisco, Texas for a national championship, that's the ultimate in a conversation when you're talking between the two programs. You can say, hey, hey, January 8th, 2023. Remember Frisco, Texas, Sam Herder. Senior FCS analyst, Hero Sports, Hero Sports College Football Editor, and Bet MGM writer. The Dakota marker, not on the line in this game, Sam, but boy, this this uh maybe even bigger than a Dakota marker battle for a national title trophy. The Jacks going for their first one ever and the bison looking to make it ten FCS titles. How you doing this morning, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Uh getting pretty amped up for uh the upcoming game. It's been uh, we're about halfway there between uh, the semifinals and the, the championship game, obviously with, with a three-week break. Halfway there now, it uh, seems like maybe the energy is picking up a little bit. It's been pretty tame, honestly, on social media so far, but uh, I think that could be changing pretty soon here. How do you expect it? And you talk to a lot of folks out there in, in the FCS world, a lot of coaches, a lot of players, a lot. Of, you had a really good article earlier this week. You talked to, like, what, 20 folks, uh, anonymously coaches from across the country, and they told you their thoughts uh, on this game and who would win. And, and I would say by probably um, a, a two-thirds vote, a lot of folks, most folks outside of maybe an outlier, I think one or two guys thought the, the Jacks would win by something like 10 or 14. Two-thirds of the, the folks you talked to figured the Jacks would win a tight game. A couple folks picked the Bison. But, uh, yeah, it, it, seem, it seems to be a lot of folks are anticipating a pretty uh, a tight contest in eight days. Yeah, uh, in the article, I think it ended up being uh, around 30, uh, maybe a little bit more than 30 uh, FCS head coaches, some assistant coaches, kind of a combination of both. Um, uh, a few more came in ap- after I uh, published uh, the story. So, um, yeah, I would say probably 25 of those 30 uh, coaches picked South Dakota State uh, to win. Uh, and like you said, most did say that it would be a, a pretty close game, one possession game. Um, you know, honestly, the the coaches that did pick NDSU, they didn't necessarily say, you know, I think this exposition is better. I think they have an advantage here. They just said, well, it's NDSU. They they you know they know how to use a three week break to scheme things up. They know that they know that championship atmosphere. It's tough to pick against NDSU uh, this late in the season. It's hard to beat a team twice. Um, and then the to- the coaches that pick South Dakota State to win. They pointed at, you know, I, I think they have what it takes in the trenches. Isaiah Davis is good. I think they have the quarterback advantage. Um, and so it's um, it's kind of one of those things where if you pick NDSU, it's more about the Bison brand. And, you know, the, the Bison just always seem to play best at the biggest moments. And to pick South Dakota State, it's more of, you know, I think they have the, the edge here. I think they have the edge here. I think they're better here. And so that was kind of fascinating to go through all of those responses from the coaches across the country. 
And you mentioned, I think that's such a, an, an interesting thing to hear from other coaches because one of the things you said earlier was the hype, and the hype does tend to pick up. Like it's it's just starting this kind of slow burn after Christmas. We get through New Year's, but starting early this upcoming week in a few days, things are going to get really ramped up, especially when the teams, whether it's Wednesday or Thursday, they fly down to Frisco, Texas. The Bison have been there before, and that's that's not to rub anything in the face of Jackrabbit fans. But they they have the routine down, getting ready for a national championship game, using the three weeks to prepare. I think uh, something I read in in maybe one of your articles or something in uh, in the forum was that Coach Stigermeyer said, you know, I, he doesn't like the three weeks to to prepare. You can over prepare paralysis by analysis kind of thing. The Jacks have never done that before. The Bison are seasoned veterans at handling this what they call the winter camp, that approximately three-week layoff between the semifinal and Frisco. But then you have all the events. When you get down to Frisco, you've got all these events that the NCAA and the city has set up for the teams and the players, and it's a business trip, but but it's the, the biggest stage because you're playing for national title, and that's something that the buys, and they're not going to be phased by that. And I think one of the points in your article was, with the veteran group of guys like SDSU has, you don't expect them to for the lights to be too bright, the stage too big. But that's one, and, and I don't either. I think you're probably right. I don't think SDSU is going to come out there and lay an egg because they're in Frisco. They've seen the Bison so many times, and the familiarity with the opponents, I don't expect either team to be phased or intimidated by playing one another. But it is kind of interesting to see how the Jacks, at the end of the day, I don't know that it really matters, but that's certainly one of the things being talked about. How do you think the Jacks will handle the the hype for one and all the buildup going for their first ever national championship in football and program history and having to do it against the Bison? Yeah, and I think it is it is less about the three-week break and more about, like you said, all of those things they do once in Frisco. Uh, you know, when, when the Jacks made the, the spring national title game, it was a quick turnaround. It was uh, playing the semifinals, and then right away the very next weekend, you're playing in Frisco. Uh, obviously, COVID was uh, still a major thing uh, then, so they didn't really have, uh, you know, any activities uh, really. But this year, it was the same last year, too, actually. I think they canceled uh, a decent amount of uh, activities just because COVID was still kind of a concern. But this year, yeah, once you do go down to Frisco, uh, they do treat it kind of like a bowl game with, with a lot of activities for the players. And they have the players busy for two, three days. They do a lot of different activities, whether it's some, some charity events. Uh, I know they used to do the barbecue bowl. I think they changed that now to, um, I believe they go to top golf. Um, they have, uh, I think a couple different dinners where the, you know, the, the teams are together uh, having some type of, uh, you know, dinners together. And so um, I think that, that may be the more important thing rather than the three week break, because, I mean, South Dakota State has, they had a three-week break between uh, the regular season finale um, in their first uh, playoff game. They, uh, they, they had a multiple three-week breaks uh, during the COVID spring season, and so they're kind of used to these longer breaks. I think it's just handling that, you know, kind of that, that weight once you are in Frisco and not being too tense and not being, you know, holy crap, we're playing for a national title. You know, we need to be locked in. We need to be focused, you know. Um, and you, if you're doing that for three straight days and, and you're not – you know, enjoying the moment, enjoying all the activities in Frisco, all of a sudden you get to the game and you're kind of mentally exhausted because you're, you're doing all these things. You're thinking of the game. We're doing all these activities. You're busting around Frisco Plano and you're just tight and you're wound up and you're um, maybe not even nervous, but just, you know, jacked up for the national title game. And by the time you get there, you know, you're maybe mentally drained. And I think we saw that with 
definitely Montana State. I think they had a deer in their headlights uh, look for about a quarter and a half, and then once they settled in, uh, they you know kind of played decent a little bit. Uh, you know, Jacksonville State wasn't ready to go. Uh, I remember watching the team entrances. You know, NDSU ran out as a team. Jacksonville State ran out one by one <laughs> because they weren't really sure where to go, where, where, where to run out. You know, I think there were, some players were still talking trash to NDSU as they were running out. And so um, I do think being comfortable on that stage will be somewhat of a factor. But like you said, and like I wrote, I mean, South Dakota State, the, the combined playoff games that all of these guys have played is, you know, just a, a, a crazy number of playoff games. And so, um, and they've been to Toyota State before, but obviously a bit different uh, in the spring compared to now. But I, I don't, I don't necessarily think we're going to see either team really, you know, come out and maybe they might feel each other out. Maybe it's a slow start, but I don't think it's going to be because of, holy crap, we're here. I think it's going to be more of, you know, just feeling each other out and seeing what, uh, what maybe new wrinkles each team puts in early in the game. Yeah, Sam Sam Herder, senior FCS analyst, Hero Sports, bet MGM writer, joining us on Herded Hero Swanee on 740 AM, the fan. And that's one of the things, Sam, I think with for as good as SDSU's defense is, and the buys in code green defense the last two and a half months has been playing very, very well. To to do what they did, you know, folks might look at the fact Incarnate Word, 32 points, Lindsey Scott, 71 total touchdowns. I think, you know, when it came time to make a play on those big fourth downs in the in the latter stages of the game when, when Incarnate Word had it at NDSU's like 20 or 22 on that fourth and fourth and that last drive, the Bison defense made big plays. And, and the reason I brought that up, I think both teams – I expect that what's so interesting is you would think conventional wisdom says they're going to come out, feel each other out. Both teams are going to try to establish the run. Both teams have been have been pretty good traditionally, especially if you look at that, the Bison squad in that October game coming up and putting up a couple quick touchdowns. I think after those scripted plays run out, each team might score to open the game, but I expect they'll feel each other out. And I think this is a game, I talked about it before we brought you on, where if I'm SDSU or if I'm Matt Entz, I trust my defense and I try not to, to put them in a bad position by doing something like the, the Cole Payton interception in the first game. What a difference maker that was. The only turnover in the regular season contest. Worst case scenario, the Bison should have been up 24-7 to instead it's 21-7. But I think you're right. I think both teams come out maybe with, maybe with the wrinkle but feel each other out, get into the flow of the game. You know, one of the things you'd brought up with with SDSU, all the playoff games and everything else, you know John Stigemeyer is a guy. He's he's very he's a hell of a football coach, but he's got what I think is a very calming presence. And I, and I don't want to say that he's you know um, this grandfatherly kind of guy, but I think he's the kind of coach where I don't expect he's going to have his guys on edge. I expect that they're going to be pretty I mean they're going to be motivated ready to play it's for national championship for goodness sakes. But I think the fact that, you know, coach Stigemeyer is their head coach, I, I don't expect them to come out like Jacksonville State did or some other teams where it was kind of too big for them or even, you know, Brent Vegan's a guy last year who who coaching Montana State had been to Frisco three times for North Dakota State in 2011, 12 and 13. Um, even though Stig's never been there in, in January, I think just his presence is going to have an effect on on that Jacks team where they're not going to come out um, afraid or too rattled by playing on that stage. Yeah, that's definitely a, a fair point. Um, and, you know, I, one of the – I think, you know, Coach Stig is, is, is well-respected uh, across the coaching industry. And um, I, I was looking up what one of the coaches, anonymous coaches, said, and uh, they predicted South Dakota State to win and didn't really give a, a reason why. Uh, the coach just said, pulling for Coach Stigelmeyer, great example of perseverance. Hope he wins it. And so I think he is 
uh, well-respected on, um, you know, how he operates and how he runs uh, his program. And I think, too, the, the, the South Coast State coaching staff is, um, I know they have a new offensive coordinator. They knew they have a new defensive coordinator, uh, but I think those two and just the staff overall have done a really good job, um, uh, you know, just, just scheming things up, preparing their players. Uh, they've, you know, in previous years, South Coast State has had some games where they just didn't look quite ready to, to play and they had some, um, some mental lapses and uh, had some disappointing losses this year. That's not necessarily uh, that, that hasn't, uh, that hasn't happened. Uh, this season, and I think we, we've seen it too. They they schemed North Dakota State up uh, pretty well, uh, especially offensively. Um, you know, their new OC Zach Luhan is um, he's quite different than than Jason Eck. Uh, Luhan is more ball control, uh, more methodical. Uh, and when the Jacks beat North Dakota State earlier this year, it was no gadgets, no trick plays, really. No, I don't think there was any new wrinkles. If there was, it was it was it was pretty small. They just you know straight up beat North Dakota State there and in the second half. And so I think, yeah, the coaching staff will have uh, this team ready to go. And then on, you know, on the flip side, uh, you know, I remember talking to uh, an assistant coach in the Missouri Valley football conference a few years ago. And, you know, just kind of asked, you know, what, obviously a loaded question, but, but what's one thing off the radar that makes NDSU so good besides the, the recruiting and the, the development and the talent and all that. Um, that coach said that he said, I don't think people realize, you know, just how good that coaching staff is on preparing uh, their players, uh, game planning, getting their guys ready to go, watching film and ident- identifying weaknesses and in-game adjustments. And so I think, I don't know if there is really an advantage there either way when you give both of these coaching staff its three-week breaks uh, to, to kind of come up with new wrinkles, but at the same time uh, do what they do uh, and do it well. And so um, you are right. I think I did write that too as far as we could see both teams go down and score seven points right away just because – I think it was uh, the uh, the game a few years ago, uh, the 2019 season, North Dakota State James Madison, uh, where James Madison had the ball. They went down and scored really, really easily. <laughs> then NDSU responded and they scored really, really easily. And everyone thought it was going to be a 45, 42 ball game. And then you know both defenses settled in, and it was a uh, um, you know I think the game was in the 20s. 28, so, 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do think maybe we could see quick starts from that sense, but you know it could slow down after those opening drives where these teams are kind of grinding on each other. Yeah, Sam, we got we got to hit the break here. Can you stick around? And keep you uh, hold you for another segment or so. Yep, that sounds good. All right, Sam Herder, senior FCS analyst, Hero Sports, Bet MGM writer. I want to talk quarterbacks after the break, specifically if the game has to come down to between Mark Gronowski or Cam Miller leading a drive in the fourth quarter. How did you feel about that? We'll break it down next on Heard It Here. One of the fan bases from Fargo or Brookings and all points. Between, we'll be cracking plenty of beers and blasting out little Texas as God bless Texas in about eight days. Celebrating, and the other will be drowning tears and sorrow as the Bison and Jacks face off Sunday, January 8th at 1 p.m. for the National FCS Championship. Joining us to talk about it on Herded Here with Swanee on 740 AM, the fan Sam Herder, senior FCS analyst, Hero Sports, and Bet MGM writer. Sam, one of the things you wrote in your article, which is up at Herosports.com, about this game is the the quarterback play at some point, and I'm paraphrasing what you wrote, at some point a quarterback will need to make a play with their arm. I'll add in the fact, or legs, because we saw what Cam Miller has done. And Gronowski, to be fair, has been a, a really good runner at times when SDSU has deployed him. I think you're right, and I've, I've been saying it all year on these airwaves that for the Bison to win a national championship, it's going to come down to Cam Miller 
having to make plays late in the contest when the Bison are trailing or tied. And, and that, to me, you know, if you're a Bison fan, you look and you say, well, boy, incarnate word, he was 1-12 for five yards, but he ran the ball awfully well. But the Bison are facing a Jacks defense where I don't expect the Bison quarterback run game is going to put up, you know, 125, 150 kind of yards. So I think Cam Miller for the Bison to win in a tight game is probably going to have to make some plays with his arms late in that contest. Yeah, I, I think it will. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of different keys to this game, but I think, like I, like you said and like I wrote, you know, it, at some point uh, a quarterback is going to have to make a big throw with his arm. And like you said, both guys have, have done some damage with their legs, and, you know, both guys will, uh, you know, get some maybe hit some big completions, whether it's a, a play-action dump off for Miller or maybe um, kind of a, a middle screen there, a slip screen there for Grinowski to one of his tight ends or receivers. But, you know, at some point when it's third and 15 on a big drive or uh, it's a one-possession game in the fourth quarter, you know, a quarterback is going to have to make a big-time throw, whether it's down the seam or a fade route or, or something where uh, you go, okay, yeah, the quarterback made that play. Um, and I think – uh, you know, Miller has had opportunities to do that throughout this season. I think he's just come up short in some of those opportunities, uh, whether it be Arizona, you know, and you had a, a, a drive there in the fourth quarter and that didn't go uh, too far to get a win uh, against South Dakota State too. You know, you know, Miller, for the most part, was, was really good against South Dakota State at one point. And I was tweeting about him a lot during that game, you know, saying, he's, you know, he's on one uh, today. He's looking excellent. I think at one point he was eight for eight against South Dakota State for 125 yards and two touchdowns. He was excellent, and then you know things obviously dropped off from there in the second half. Uh, but the Bison did have the ball late in the fourth quarter, down two points, um, and then the drive just didn't you know go uh, you know too far uh, from there. And against UIW too, uh, I know he went over 100 yards with his legs. Uh, you know, just wasn't there passing the ball. But but I do think, I mean, if he was one of five passing, you know, it'd be okay. They just abandoned the the pass and. Um, you know, it just wasn't there. But, you know, to go one for 12, I think, is concerning. Uh, and there was that drive late in the fourth quarter where NDSU was up three points. Uh, this was after UIW decided to, to go for it instead of kick the field goal and tie. Um, with how NDSU was driving, you know, in the fourth quarter, I said, all right, you know, UIW missed that fourth fourth down, and NDSU is going to go down, drive the field, and go up two possessions, and they're going to steal it. And there was, I think NDSU was past the 50-yard line, and uh, it was third and 11 or something like that. Miller scrambles out to his right. Uh, I think one of his tight ends was. Stol- kind of I think Stoffel uh, was wide open. Stoffel was wide yep, open. And, yeah. Yep, and he overthrew him. And that's just that's one of those throws where. And again, NDSU obviously won that game, and so not a huge deal. But it's that type of throw that you have to make. Uh, you know, he wasn't under pressure. It wasn't a terribly tight window. Um, that's a throw like that that you have to make in the national championship game to extend the the, the, ch- the chains or um, you know extend a scoring drive. It's those type of throws that um, you know I think is. is is going to be key in this upcoming battle. And that incarnate word game, you're you're spot on, Sam. It wasn't just that he was missing, and one in twelve is bad in and of itself. And and credit to Cam for I think the quote after the game in the, in the post game presser, he told the coaches on the headset between drives, it wasn't there with his arm. So let's run the ball, go with his legs. You can get away with that against incarnate word. You're not getting away with that against South Dakota State. And it was a bad one for 12. I mean, he was missing the the throw there that we had just talked about. He had some other guys, too, there coming across the middle that were open or down a sideline, and he wasn't even in the same zip code. And Incarnate Ward's got a heck of a good football team, and the Bison defense did enough to win that game. 
But I expect that if if the Bison can't make those throws against the Jacks late in the contest, they will pay for it. And and one of the things that intrigues me about this, I went back and looked. You know, Cole Payton is this this highly touted recruit. Came in from Nebraska. The first game against the two teams, he had the the interception, the trick play. The Bison tried after Cam Miller's personal foul took them from being at the five yard line, backed him up fifteen. The Bison try a run play, two yards. Next play, Cole Payton INT. They only ran Peyton one time that game. He had one attempt for 16 yards. I know he's been dinged up since that first playoff game against Samford. But the Bison this year, I've just been waiting for that contest where they really go against Arizona. We saw quite a bit of it, that that run game with Cole Payton. We haven't seen that at all, uh, really, the rest of the year. And, and I'm wondering, I would bet one of the wrinkles, if Cole, and it all depends on how healthy Cole Payton is and how well that ankle's holding up. If he's to the point where he can run and the Bison are comfortable medically with him doing that, I would expect that we're going to see a heavy dose of Cole Payton in the contest. I hate, I hate to be Sam, that Bison fan who says, well, Lance has been holding it in the hip pocket all year waiting for this moment. But we saw stuff that, you know, how they used Lipke in the semis last year against JMU, some of the stuff they did against Montana State, and even with the quarterback run game in the playoffs with Quincy Patterson the second last year, I I, I hate to be the bias and conspiracy theorist kind of guy. I would expect if he's healthy, a heavy dose of Cole Payton next Sunday. Yeah, and especially with uh, the injuries to the running back room, uh, we we know that Lipke won't be playing. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it sounds like his uh, Bison career is is done as he'll be heading to the NFL draft. And uh, you know, hopefully, he can take part in as much of the pre-draft uh, process uh, stuff as possible for Lipke. Uh, but then you have, you know, Kobe Johnson. I, I assume he's still going to play, but he might have a, a club or you know some kind of splinter on his on his hand finger. Uh, Tamaric Williams, we aren't really sure. Uh, and didn't sound as confident uh, about some some of the injuries, and so we'll see about Tamaric Williams. Uh, but you still are down to, uh, you know, maybe two, two or three, you know, running backs, but two that you really like. And so yeah, if Cole Payton is is good to go, uh, I sure, um, I'm sure they'll they'll. Add him in there uh, as another running threat. You have that plus one running game, as they call it, with the quarterback run. And, uh, you know, certainly South Dakota State will, will prep for that. Um, and the thing is, too, I mean, they could run Cam Miller <laughs> you know, plenty of times. Too. He's had, what, over, uh, I think, two 100-plus rushing yards uh, in, in the last uh, few games going back to the UND game. And so they could run Cam Miller as well. But I do think uh, Peyton offers that more it's weird to say because he's a quarterback but he does offer a bit more of a of a physical running style compared to miller than maybe johnson as well tameric williams is a physical running back but i mean south coast state is we saw it against montana state they're so hard to um get them out of their gap and pick up big chunk yardage on the ground where if you have you know a certain look uh with cole payton where he's gaining four five six yards every carry then yeah, maybe he does end up getting 15, you know, 20, 20 carries in, in this game just because that is uh, their best me- their best method of moving the ball in, in in a week or so. What was that? What was it about the Jacks' defense in that semifinal game where they just owned Montana State, beating them something like 39 to 18 in a game that wasn't even that close? I know Adam ba- uh, Adam Bach, their All American uh, Mike linebacker, was back. But boy, on defense they are so so stout. What makes what makes SDSU? You talked about how assignment sound they are in maintaining, you know, their gap responsibility. But especially with Bach, what what were they able to do to just to, to completely shut down Montana State's you know dual headed threats at quarterback there, the Wyoming dude, then uh, Tommy Malott a couple of weeks ago. 
Yeah, I think their safeties and outside linebackers, uh, especially, and, and you mentioned Adam Bach, he, he looked back to his All-American self at middle linebacker. Uh, but they also, I mean, they have some safeties, they have some outside linebackers that really fly the ball and come downhill hard while still maintaining, you know, their, their, their responsible run gaps. And I think that's what you have to do against Montana State where they're more of an outside zone and, you know, the, the, the offensive linemen are getting out in space and they find some cutback lanes or they find some running angles and get, seven, eight yards, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in a hurry. And so I think it started with the, the, the defensive line. We know that South Coast State has uh, just a really, really good defensive line. They're deep and they can rotate. And so they, they stayed fresh throughout this season. Uh, and so they, they eat up uh, a lot of blocks. They don't allow whole, uh, you know, a lot of offensive linemen to get to the second level. Uh, but I do think the linebackers and the safeties for South Coast State have, have played so well all year. Um, and I believe, uh, they, they move Stalbert, who's um, one of their outside linebackers. They move him to safety uh, against Montana State, where he was still kind of playing a, you know, kind of a, an outside linebacker role, but he was more of a safety. Um, and so they had, you know, basically what three outside linebackers, you know, on the field plus Bach. Um, and so I think they changed that up a little bit, moving Isaiah to safety. I don't know if they'll do that again uh, for this North Dakota State game. Obviously, a, a much different running uh, attack, but I do think they they added that wrinkle of of putting Stalberg back there for him to, to run the lanes a bit more. Yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll see that. I think part of the reason, and I don't know if it'll be them putting a linebacker at safety, but I think part of the reason North Dakota State early on in the regular season contest was successful, SDSU came in, loaded the box, expecting North Dakota State just to try to pound it down their throat, and instead they came out throwing the ball, and, and Miller started 8 of 8 for a buck 25, and then SDSU made that adjustment, but at least early on, the Jacks in that regular season contest dared the Bison to throw, and they did, and they did it fairly well. But just based on recent history, I, I expect that we're going to see that. You're going to see South Dakota State jam the box with, with eight or nine dudes and say, hey, if you're going to beat us, Cam Miller, go ahead and do it. Try to throw the ball, and they're not going to release on that and, and uh, let up until North Dakota State shows they can throw the football. Yeah, and I, I do think South Coast State trusts their secondary uh, a bit more compared to last year. I think the, the two cornerbacks are, are playing really well for South Coast State. Um, you know, the safeties are, uh, I, I think they're younger. You know, I, I'm trying to remember, um, I, they, they've played like four different safeties uh, this year, and they're all, um, they're all about the same. Uh, some of them are a bit younger, um, and I know a lot of them uh, you know, are, are really good against the run. Like I said, they, they come downhill fast, um, you know, Coverage-wise, I, I think they are pretty good, but uh, you never know. You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm watching all the games, or I'm not dissecting the, X, the X's and O's and the All 22. Um, so there might be something there where maybe NDSU does try to, to pick on those safeties a little bit off of play action. Uh, you know, I think that's what they did uh, in the October uh, matchup. Is um, I, I think I said earlier that Cam Miller started something like eight of eight for 125 yards, a couple touchdowns. Uh, I think a lot of that was probably finding some, some zones or some areas in the South Dakota State defense uh, to, to, to pick apart a little bit and pick on before uh, the Jacks adjusted. And so, yeah, I, I think Cam Miller is going to have to be sharp because, you know, running the ball, I, I don't think NUSU is going to be held under 100 yards rushing or, or anything like that. They're, they're still going to get there because that offensive line is so good. But, you know, you're, you're, just, you're probably not going to run for 270 yards, obviously, against South Dakota State. And so you are going to have to do some play action. Uh, you're gonna, you are gonna have to make some plays through the air to to move the ball against the South Dakota State defense. We'll keep you. We'll keep Sam around for one more segment here, wrapping up on Herded here with Swanee. I, I want to talk. I want to go back to that Holy Cross game a little bit and talk about what they were able to do successfully with uh, uh, Sluka running the ball 
And we'll, we'll talk about that, maybe get into your game day prediction that you made in your article. Coming up next on Heard It Here with Swanee, brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith. We're wrapping up on a New Year's Eve on Heard It Here with Swanee, brought to you by Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Coming for made-from-scratch food, signature 29 draft beers and all the scenic views. If you are out imbibing tonight, make sure you have a plan to get a ride. Don't be out there drinking and driving. Stick around for around the rink. With Travis Dunn to talk UND fighting Hawks hockey. Sam, one of the things I wanted to, to get into it with you and ask you about, you know, at Holy Cross game, the, the final score is 42 21, but you know, Holy Cross held the ball 14 of 15 minutes in the third quarter. They had an opportunity to take a 24 21 lead with a 39 yard field goal early in the fourth. Didn't. Jackrabbits came to life, but their quarterback, Matthew Sluke, of that game, 125 yards throwing. He had the big pick six before the half in the the second-round playoff game, but he ran the ball 26 times for 213 yards, and and a lot of that didn't look like it was designed QB run. It looked like he was dropping back looking to pass. There was a lane open, and he took off. But I I see that, and I just scratched my head thinking, well, boy, if if Holy Cross – who had any sort of just semblance of a passing game could do that. And maybe the Jacks just had a wrong day. Maybe Sluke is just a really, really good player. But what was it about what Holy Cross was doing? They were able to really move the ball a couple of weeks ago against the Jacks. Yeah, I think mostly it wasn't anything schematically or, or by design. I think it was just Sluke, uh, Sluka being a gamer in uh, in that contest. And him, you know, a lot, like you said, a lot of those runs weren't necessarily designed. They were passing plays, but you know, one, two reads weren't there, and he's tucking it and running. Um, and just what was slippery, South Coast State's had a, a spy on him after uh, a few series, and, you know, maybe the spy just didn't have, you know, great angles, and, and Sluka was still able to, to pick up some some chunk yardage there with the, with his legs. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, what I've kind of learned is that the, the playoffs are, are round by round, and sometimes you don't want to take what happened in the previous round and um, use that to – try to predict what happens in the following round because yeah, you know, South Coast state didn't look like the best team in the FCS against Holy cross, but the next week against Montana, yeah. they, you know, they, they, I mean, certainly look like the best team uh, in the country. And I mean, even NDSU, uh, you know, last year against ETSU was kind of, wow. I don't know, in the quarterfinals, not, not great, but still a win. And then the next week against James Madison, you know, that's when we saw, you know, a really good uh, Bison team, but you know, back to 2019, Illinois state, what was it? Nine, nine to three, nine to six, nine to three. Nine to three. Yep. 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 And so, you know, maybe teams sometimes look ahead to the semifinals if they're in the quarterfinals and they're expecting to host something like that. So um, obviously give credit to Holy Cross and maybe there is something there, you know, design wise for the quarterback run, but at the same time, you know, Montana state tried to try the quarterback run with Tommy Malott and um, that didn't work out too well. And so um, just a, one of those interesting three week, breaks where we'll see what teams come up with South Coast State, North Coast State uh, design wise. And, you know, then how do the, the opposite team adjust from there? Last question for Sam Herter, senior FCS analyst, hero sports, bet MGM writer. Want to thank him for joining us this morning to preview the title game. You've got in your article, you're predicting SDSU to win 28, 24 for, uh, you know, being the more probably complete team, the better team uh, to date, at least through the season. What does North Dakota state need to do to win in Frisco, Texas next Sunday? Yeah, I think uh, as cliche as it is, I think coming out to a quick start, uh, I think is is especially true uh, in this one. South Coast State is is going to come out with a lot of confidence. Their players are, but you know, if NDSU is is able to come out to a quick start, you know, maybe a ten nothing lead, we know that South Coast State obviously erased a twenty one seven 
uh, deficit against North Dakota State earlier, but I think you know this is this will be a bit different. This could be one of those things where if NDSU does jump out to a quick lead, you know that could be a um, you know a, a much tougher hill uh, to climb up on for South Dakota State. And so I think a quick start for uh, the Bison, and then I think you know probably limiting yards after contact will be huge for the Bison defense. I know tackling was was an issue earlier in the season, not so much anymore, but. You look at South Coast State and Isaiah Davis, the running back, is so good yards after contact. You know, Tucker Kraft, you know, he, he'll bounce off off of tackles and turn a 10-yard catch into a 25-yard gain. And I, I got I, I hate to do it, Sam. I got to wrap up here to cut you off, but safe travels to Texas. I, your insight is always much spot on and appreciated, so safe travels down there, my friend. Hey, no worries at all. We'll see you down there. I want to thank Josh Linus for running the boards, keeping the trains on track. Stay tuned for Around the Rink with Travis Dunn next Sunday, 1 p.m. ABC, Bison vs. Jacks. Remember, the strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength of the bison is the herd. Uh,